I remember walking into his house. I walked in at 6 a.m. in the morning. I had to get there by 6 or the door was closed and I couldn't get in. There was me and about seven other pastors that would meet in this pastor who was retired's house. And he'd invited us. We'd get this kind of cryptic email the night before. We didn't know when it was coming, but when it came, we had to show up. So I got the email and I, I'm going to show up at his house. And so at 6 a.m., about 5.59, I showed up. I walked in his house. I sat down at the kitchen table. We chatted for like a brief 30 seconds. Then he opened his Bible and we started. And he began to teach us. And when he began to teach, he said this. He goes, last night when I emailed you, I had something I was going to teach you. But the Lord woke me up this morning at 3 a.m. and changed what it is that I'm going to teach you. And so today, I believe that God has a word for you. And he began to teach us, and he taught for a straight hour. He closed his Bible and prayed, and we walked out of his house. His name was Herb Hodges. Herb passed away just a while back, just this year. Herb is a man who literally has discipled thousands and thousands of men in his lifetime. One thing about Herb, though, that was significant, that stood out beyond anything else, is when Herb woke up in the morning, he truly believed that today God was going to give him what he needed for today. And that's why he could say things like, God gave me something different to teach you this morning. I got up at 3 a.m., which I'm like, man, I I, I barely could get up at 5.15 to get to your house, let alone 3 a.m. But Herb really believed that God would give him today what he needed. See, I believe that history is filled with great men and women of God. And everyone I've ever read about and everyone I've ever known sought after days as though each day mattered. And what they did that day mattered. How they talked that day mattered. What they said in attitude and action mattered before their God And then I believe they put a bunch of those days together that mattered into a day, into a life that greatly glorified their God. So today we're going to be in Matthew 6, verse 11. We're continuing in our Thy Kingdom Come series, walking through the Lord's Prayer. And I believe this, that two conclusions that we can come to in the section we're in today, and even where we've come through the Lord's Prayer is... Everything matters to God, everything. There's nothing that doesn't matter in our lives to God. And I believe that God wants us, desires us to live our lives before an audience of one, recognizing that our God sees us, he knows us, and we live every moment of our lives right before him. So this morning, if you will, let's stand and read together Matthew 6, 9 through 11, in reverence and honor of reading God's word. And we're going to do it a little bit different this morning. And so we're going to read literally together. And so through the rest of this series, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together up until the point we're at. And so we're going to finish today. It Give us this day our daily bread. So if you will, let's read together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, we pray today that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would form us, that you would shape us into your very own image. 
that we might, we might live every day before you as our holy God. And Lord, that you would shape us and you would form us in all things that we might glorify you. And Lord, might we put together a bunch of days lived fully for you that might equal a life that greatly glorified you. Jesus, we love you. And we give this time to you and ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, as we look at this text, we're going to kind of go back a little bit and recap where we've been, and then we're going to dig into this verse 11. So early in this, before the Lord's Prayer, there's going to be two sections in this Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is going to talk to them about prayer, and he's going to say two don'ts. He's going to say, don't pray like the hypocrites, right, who... who <clears throat> Um, don't play like, pray like the hypocrites who just stand out in front and make a big deal of their life. Don't, don't pray as those. And he's going to say, don't, don't also don't pray um, heaping up phrases that are empty to God. And so don't make this just a public exposure thing. Look at me, I'm awesome. Don't just say these like quaint words about God. So what does God want? Right? He wants us He wants reality. He wants the brutal truth. He wants us to be honest with where our hearts are. This isn't a show. This isn't about saying the right things. This is about true relationship between us and him. So he's going to say, don't pray like this. But he's going to say, but pray like this. And that enters into the Lord's Prayer. But pray like this. And then the model prayer is, is more than just words that we say. I mean, how many of you grew up kind of hearing rotely saying the, the Lord's Prayer? Anybody in the room? Right? All right. <clears throat> it's kind of a common thing. It's, it's, you know, football teams pray it in huddles before games. We say it before all kinds of events have in history past. And so, but the, the prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right, we can say those words. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right, it's very easy to say. But I believe this prayer is, is a model prayer because honestly, I, I think it shapes our devotional life. I think it shapes how we interact with God. So I'm gonna challenge you to do this as we walk through the rest of the series. It's just every day, pray just to where we are. So right now, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Next, next seven days, before next Sunday, just pray this every day. But pray it like this. Our Father, God, the universe, that I can call Father, the one who shaped the sun, moon, and stars, my dad, who is in heaven. You are far above me and far beyond me. Your expanse is something I can't even quite explain. Hallowed be your name. Oh God, would your name be revered through through me in this world? Might you be known because there's no other name. There's no other name that should be more revered than your name, God. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. God, in this world, would your kingdom come? Would it be known? Would your reign and rule exist instead of people flippantly dealing with you? God, help me not to flippantly deal with you. Might your reign and rule come, embody my life. Might your will be done 
oh, Father, I know that there are things that are against your will, and I know I've gone that way, my pride and my selfishness. God, would your will be done in my flesh, not my flesh be done in this world. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, would you bring your ways up there, down here in me? Would you bring justice and mercy and peace and love to every relationship and every situation and help me to see it and to step into it, not asking for permission, but doing it because you have said so, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, today, would you give me the daily bread I need to honor you, to live for your kingdom in the next 24 hours. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, establishing a focus on the right person. This isn't about me, this is about you, God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, establishing the right priority of my life. Give us this day our daily bread, establishing the one who truly brings provision. We challenge us to do that as we walk through. So we've kind of recapped the, the heart of this prayer. So it's more than something wrote. It is deeply meaningful and deeply shapes us when we pray this prayer in this way to God. So the text, give us this day our daily bread, verse 11. So give us right? Our, this is a collective. This isn't an alone thing. The, the church is a community, a body. Our Father, give us. This is a community thing. We need each other, right? Turn to your neighbor. Tell them you need them today. Tell them today. There you go. All right. If you haven't told anybody that yet today, we need each other. So, so in this, give us, give us, this is collective, this day our daily, So this day, our daily, it's redundant. And what it's speaking of is a 24-hour day, future time frame. Give us this day in the day ahead and what is to come. Give me what? My daily bread. Now, bread is referred to all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, we might think of it like this. I don't think we use this word anymore very much, but we would say this like he or she is the bread winner. I've never heard that phrase, right? Right? It doesn't really make sense, right? What, what does that mean? We live on more than bread, but it had to do with what? Cash, right? Money. Um, <clears throat> I got to make me some bread. Did you know that people used to say it like that? I don't think anybody says that anymore. Anyway, I got to make me some bread, right? Um, <clears throat> right? And so, but, but what bread has been kind of known as in time past is this general provision for sustenance of life. In the Old Testament, and this undoubtedly, when they heard this, give us this day our daily bread, they would have immediately went back to Passover. And they would have went over to, to this Passover feast and this reminder told through the ages and the centuries that when the, when the people of God wandered in the wilderness, there was a daily provision of bread, manna from heaven. And the bread would fall down and the people would eat and it was only good for that day, it would spoil And we come back and God would give it the next day for 40 years, 365 days a year for 40 years, God provided manna from heaven, daily bread for the people of God, which would then be referred to looking forward as this daily bread that we need right now today that God will give us this in a different way. 
It also shows in the Old Testament just simple food for sustenance of living. It, literally, men are given bread because they're about to die, and then they have life because they've been starving for so long. Bread is this provision. In the New Testament, we see that Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus said to them, right, very, very, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Who is the bread of life? Jesus. Jesus is the one who truly gives us nourishment, who gives it to a deeper place than we can ever think or imagine. Right? Jesus in this text is being tempted by Satan and he's promising him some food as he's been as he's been struggling in the wilderness and what does Jesus say is no man I'm good I get father I get I get I get bread from my father in heaven and then Jesus right being himself the bread of life right we also see and we do this here when we take communion what does bread represent represents the broken body of Jesus for us to pay the penalty for our sin See, bread is, 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 is consistently you know, thought of, talked about throughout Scripture. So in this text, what is clear is bread is speaking of provision, especially in the context of Matthew 6, in which we're going to get into in just a second. But talk about it like this. So give us this day our daily bread. I was 17 years old, and I had a job where I was a painter for the summer. Now, I wasn't just a painter. I... I painted industrial buildings in high structure steel. And so it was actually illegal for me to do the job that I had because you had to be above 18 to put a harness on and rappel off the top of buildings and whatnot. But it was my dad's friend and we just used one rope and I'm lucky I'm still alive today. And so all that to say is we, we did, I did this job and there was one day, now if you kind of work in the industrial construction world, you know this, that, that all jobs have an end date and that end date is really important to hit because you start taking a hit on your profits if you don't hit your end date. You with me on this? So we had two projects. We were inside of one building and it was an ethanol plant. We were painting all the big rig things inside the ethanol plant. And then the other job was this large industrial building in which we were with these bucket trucks painting the whole outside of. Both of them were to end on the same date and we were behind on both. And so my boss said, guys, we're gonna work all day. We're gonna start when the sun comes up and we're not gonna quit until the sun comes back up the next day. So I worked a 21-hour day, and my boss, although um, okay man, wasn't always that nice, but that day, I got treated really, really well. He fed me, right? He took care of me. He, he, we went on the way to the ethanol plant from working outside all day. We stopped at his wife's, at his house, and his wife had made us like homemade, like fried chicken and all this food. It was just like he lavished love upon us that day, right? Why? Well, because he needed us to be strong to get through the day and to finish the work that he had for us. Make no mistake that give us this day our daily bread is tied. It is tied to thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When our priority is the father's business, he 
and us. We all benefit in provision in working toward this end. No one wants the Father's will to be completed more than the Father. And when we get busy with his business, you will see an outpouring in your life of daily bread. Get into it more. So the first thing that we see in the text, if you're following with me in the notes, the first thing that we see, why do we need daily bread? What is daily bread? First, it's for provision. Again, so Matthew 6 in its entirety is this, this message of, of God will provide. And so he starts like this, a little outline of Matthew 6. It says, don't pray like this, pray like this, which is the Lord's Prayer, which we're studying. Don't be like the hypocrites when you fast. Store up treasures from in heaven, right? Moth and rust destroy, but, but store, up, store up treasures somewhere where, where they won't be destroyed, where they'll last forever. And then he says that, that we have anxiety in life. But why have anxiety in life? If you have a father in heaven who loves you, who created the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, if he takes care of them, how much more will he take care of you? And then he says in 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And so again, he comes back to this priority which is in the Lord's Prayer. Seek first the kingdom of God, which means there are certain things in life which we ought not seek, that there's a priority in seeking Jesus above everything, seeking the Father and his kingdom and his reign and rule above everything. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, meaning that the kingdom and his righteousness are equal in value. And so seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. His righteousness is fully displayed through whom? Jesus Christ himself. So Jesus is speaking of himself, saying, seek first the reign and rule of God. Seek first me, the person, Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God fully displayed. If you seek these two things and make them the priority of your life, what is going to happen? All these things are going to be added to you. You're going to be taken care of. The Father has you. He will care for you. So so in this, just so you know, I, I believe this is true. And I believe it's true because God's word says so, and I believe it's true because it's been my experience in life. In 2003, Debbie and I packed up everything we had, which was a very, very tiny U-Haul trailer. My parents came over, my dad hooked his truck onto it, and we went on a 12-hour journey from Lincoln, Nebraska to Memphis, Tennessee. We had about $3,000 in the bank. We had no jobs and really no no necessary hope for jobs, except we had two degrees from college, thinking that if you have a degree from college, right, it's very easy to get a job, So we went, and that summer we'd saved up money. She was a waitress at Perkins. I was a cook at Perkins. We worked day jobs, and we'd saved up all this $3,000. By the way, I only made $400 at Perkins that summer, and she made so much money being a waitress. And so, uh, just saying, and... It's kind of annoying. Like, we got our taxes, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, and I feel like I worked harder than she did. And so, um, and so, so we'd, we'd saved up, and August, no jobs. Little side jobs here or there. Someone say, hey, I'm moving this guy in. He'll pay you 50 bucks, and I'd, I'd do anything to get a little bit of money. But paying, right, paying for apartment, paying for utilities. We went from this little town in Nebraska, we were paying $300 in rent, and we went to the big city of Memphis, we were paying $800 in rent. Everything had changed. 
and our, our account just kept depleting and depleting and depleting until we had $100 in our bank account. And we're sitting in our living room and we're on our knees and Deb, that might be a stretch, right? A hundred bucks. Yeah. And we, we were, I remember in all of our given, we had no furniture of our own, like it had all been given to us. We're kneeling down, we're saying, God, we, we're done. Like, did we screw up? Should have we moved to Memphis? What, what have we done? We, we believe that clearly, God, you wanted us to do this. We believe that, that we want your kingdom to come. I want to be your servant, but God, I, I don't know what to do. We prayed, and then at the end of that week, and we'd been praying throughout, but it really came to just a place of brokenness, and I remember that night we prayed. At the end of that week, I got a job. There was a problem, though, and the problem was is my paycheck wasn't coming in time for everything else that was going to be late. I remember a deacon walk up to us at Faith Baptist Church, Andy Duggan, and hand me a check for $500, and it covered everything. I remember crying saying, God, you provided for us. Now, God's provision doesn't have to come 30 days before, 60 days before, 90 days before. It came for us the day we needed it. And I could go on in the future. I remember a few years later, and we were still broke. Deb was working, putting me through seminary. We, had a, we were the only time we were a dual-income family, and we were the brokest we've ever been. And I remember thinking, like, we're not going to, we were 12 hours from family, and we really wanted to go back and see him for Christmas, but we realized we couldn't. Like, it just financially was impossible for us to go back, just gas alone. I remember Jerry Potter walked up to us. You're going to think pastors are freeloaders, so I promise we didn't ask anybody. Handed us a check for $300, and we were able to go see our family. And I remember walking away from that in tears, the provision of God, even just for a want or a desire. See, I believe without a doubt that God cares for us and he loves us. And when we are about his business, he will take care of our daily needs. It is a promise. It is true. And you can bank on it, bank on it, bank on it. So see, what we see is that not only will God meet our needs, but God has provided already everything that we need. Listen to this in Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God gave his son, if he would give this extravagant gift and come through to pay the penalty for our sins, will he not come through on lesser things in life? And is not everything else lesser things than our own souls being saved through the through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. See, this is a promise. Matthew 6.33, and even this prayer, we see the inklings of asking for this promise to come to fruition in our life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you seek him, if you go after him, if he is your priority, he will come through. It's a promise. We can take it to the bank. We must believe it, bank on it, that God will take care of us. A pastor, a pastor, um, his name was Adrian Rogers. He passed away in 2005. He was a great pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. He was one of the first megachurch pastors. And if you ever heard him, he was a he was, he was one of my favorite preachers I've ever listened to, and I got to sit in many rooms with him. But he said this about this text. 
He says, think about it. Give us this day our daily bread. What is bread for? Bread is to nourish you, to give you strength to do what you ought to do. Question, why should God give you strength to serve the devil or to fulfill your own selfish desires? See, in our lives, there's a provision for those who love him and call him father, a provision for those who seek his kingdom first. And in that, we can pray this prayer. Father, give me this day my daily bread. So in this, what we see is there is opposition, right? Second, we see that that there's opposition. There's opposition to this end. See, he is taking care of us, providing us a way out of our sin and flesh and restoring us to his intended ways in this world. He has provided a way through the Savior, through Jesus, the true bread of life, to restore us to his ways. But there is opposition to this. But again, there's provision in opposition. See, self is one of the oppositions that we face. Now, I'm going to speak about this briefly. We're going to get into this when we talk about temptation, which is later in the prayer. But it's in this, I believe, give us this day our daily bread. Because it's not just my body that needs nourish, but my soul. See, Romans 7.35 says that we are either a slave to the law of God or a slave to the law of sin. And we become slaves to the law of sin through three things that Scripture is clear on. The lust of the flesh, craving physical pleasure, the lust of the eyes, tempted for more that we can't ever quite get enough of this insatiable world, and the pride of life. I've got this. I don't need you, God. 1 John 2.17 says, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. We share a destiny of whatever we give our lives to. This is where the quote from the missionary Jim Elliott, he says, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. We no longer have to allow the power of sin that is in us to overwhelm us because the power that is in us is mightier. His business matters more than my business His business must become my business. And this is the heart of this prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Just clarity in 2018, just so we're clear, this is not about you. This is not about me. This is all about God. Don't you think we've got a little bit of a problem that faces us is that a lot of life tells us that everything is about you and everything is about me. And we, we sort of live in a world that is me, myself, and I focused. And this prayer is clearly not, not about that, but it's positioning us saying that God, this is all about you. We have an opposition and it's inside of us called self. We also have an opposition in the devil. And again, we're going to talk about each of these in a couple weeks. But the devil and his schemes, just so you know, he wants to take you out. He doesn't want you to be about the father's business. He wants you to be about your own business, which is really, in the end, his business. And he, what he wants to do is to deceive you. Second Timothy 3, 7 says, Always learning they were, but never able to arrive at their knowledge of truth. See, what Satan does isn't always make us just these terrible and evil and bad people. 
just to turn us a little bit away from God, turn us inward toward ourselves, make life all about us. And when he does that, he really wins because then we don't do the father's business and we don't serve him. Then we don't go after the things he wants. We just kind of, kind of trip over ourselves and by ourselves. Deceives us. So in this, what we see, right, there is opposition. We are at war and must recognize it. But when we fight, we fight in the way the Father, in the work of the Father. John 6, 29, right, the will of God is this, to believe in the one who he has sent. Now, I love that verse because it's simple, right? There's these verses that are just simplify a lot of things. So Jesus will say it like this in John 17, 3. This is eternal life. So fairly important thing he's going to say next, right? He just said, this is eternal life. So what is it? Right? To know the one and only true God. It didn't say to do for him. It said to know him, like to exalt him, to know him, to intellectually, to relationally, to, to know him. And this verse is in the same way. The, word, the, the will of God is this. Anybody curious what the will of God is? I mean, have you ever wondered what the will of God is for your life? Well, it says it in this text. To believe in the one he has sent. And you said, well, that's not enough, Ryan. Like, you have to do something, right? It's not just to believe. It's not just to know. Here's the thing I believe with all of my heart. When you believe and when you truly know, you will do because you can't do anything else. When you believe in your bones that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father but through him, what you do with your life is you begin to live for him because there's so much at stake. And instead of like, freaking out that you lost a billfold. You're freaking out because there's lost people all around you that are going to hell and you've got to do something with your life because money doesn't matter, but eternity matters. That we begin to care about something deeper and more in our life and we believe. And when I know him and I know how good he is and how kind he is and how loving he is and how caring he is and all that the father is, when I know him and I believe, I can't be, I can't be a jerk to everybody because God can be a jerk to me every day and he's not. He loves me in the mess that I found myself in. And he's reached down, he's pulled me up and he's seated me in the highest place with him and he's done a work in me that I couldn't do. There is a will of God for us, and it is to believe, and it is to know, and in our believing and our knowing will be an outpouring of serving and loving and caring and doing. Give us this day our daily bread. We need provision for the opposition that we face today, inwardly and outwardly. And then last, position. There's a provision in my position. See, Jesus changed me. I said it just a second ago. See, when I became a Christian, what happened is my, my state changed. I was lost. I was without hope. I was alienated from God. But God, being rich in mercy, reached down. And he pulled me up and he seated me in the highest place with me. Meaning that he transformed my life. He resurrected my life. He changed my life. And growing up now in the faith is to recognize the position I have in Christ, meaning that I must think rightly about God in the day-to-day. And he gives us provision in our minds to think rightly. In our minds, rightly about God, that he is higher, mightier, holier, stronger than me. We say it in songs like this, I need, 
I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. There's not a moment. There's not a second. You are so beyond me. You're exceedingly abundantly able to do more than I could ever think, dream, or imagine. You're the one who set the stars in place. You're in the most minute, intricate, interwoven part of creation and in the grandest expanse. God, you are far beyond us. You're far above us. And so in my mind, I must think rightly about God, knowing how magnificent he is. And then rightly about me in light of him. That he has made me holy. That I am his child. That I am loved and I am cherished. I am redeemed. I'm crucified to Christ, no longer a slave to sin. I will not be condemned by God. I am an heir. I am accepted. I am chosen by God. My life is hidden with Christ in God. See, in our lives, truth wins. And if you are in Jesus, this is true of who you are, not because of what you've done, but because what he has made you. And really, half the battle of the Christian life is appropriating that which is true to become reality in our lives. But what we can do is live within the lies. You don't have what it takes. You're not enough. God's grace was sufficient for others, but your sin is far greater than other sins, and he won't forgive you of that one thing you did when you were 16 years old. By the way, if you're 60 and holding on to that sin, come on, man. Like, but it's real. We do, don't we? Truth wins and defeats lies. We must let the truth daily win over the lies that are told to us. So these, this daily bread creates us, I believe moves us into a place where we can take a posture of life. And there's three ways what we can do with daily bread. We can, first, we can accept it. And we can say, I need you. I need you, God. Without you, I'm nothing. Help me, help me, help me. It is a contrite heart, right? It is a, it is a heart that comes before the God, recognizing that without him, we are nothing. Do you believe that, church? That without him, you are nothing. You can accept it, saying that I need daily bread from you today. Or, second, you can reuse it, saying, I've been given enough bread in my life. I think I'll just rest on the past. Let the truths that I've heard about you way back be now. And I I don't really need daily bread today because honestly, God, I've had enough. I'm good. Anybody been in a place where you you reused it? Ended up pretty broken because you reused it? Raise your hand, anybody. Just be honest for a minute. Anybody been there? And what happens when you reuse it is you become apathetic. You just don't really care anymore. And you begin to just slowly slide into living life about you and for you and because you don't really need God today, the next 24 hours, because you've had him in the past and that was sufficient. He really helped you through a tough time. And so you're, you're grateful for that. But when you need him again, you'll turn to him. But I'm just going to reuse what I've been given. I believe this is where religion grabs hold tight and where church has become most broken, is we just reuse rather than accepting the provision for today. And there's a third way. 
third way is we can just refuse it. We can just refuse it and say, God, I'm good. Honestly, I don't need you. You think, man, Ryan, you're in church. There's nobody that thinks that way in this room today, refusing the daily bread that God has. What, what this does is this is what the scripture calls a hard heart. Now, I think reusing it is just a quick road to a hard heart. But when we refuse it, what we're saying is, again, God, I'm good without you. And what manifests itself deep in us is pride. And we become too proud to ask God, give me this day my daily bread. Because it takes an incredible level of humility to say that I don't have enough for today. And God, if you don't show up in some way, shape, or form, I won't be able to make it through today. So we can accept it, reuse it, or refuse it. So, Remember, if God is willing to give his very own son, I believe this is true, he will give us our daily bread. There's a priority, right? There's a priority in this provision. And the priority in the provision is the mission that he has sent us on. And when we get on board with God, when we move with him, he will give us everything that we need. I heard a story recently about a young guy who was uh, called into the ministry and he went to a preacher and he said, preacher, I, I, I'm called in the ministry, but, but I don't know what to do. And he says, uh, well, have you thought about going to seminary? And he says, well, I don't have enough money for seminary. I can't go to seminary. And he goes, oh, wow. Well, are you a child of God? Have you trusted him face to face? And he goes, of course I have. I'm, I'm called in the ministry. Like I, I heard God clearly tell me that. And he goes, well, your father's the wealthiest person in the world. How can you not afford to go to seminary, right? He will give you what you need to do the next thing you have. You might not see it. The provision may not be in front of you. And by the way, proud people, you might not be the one who earns it. It might come from the hand of another, our Father, who art in heaven. Give us this day. We are a body that is formed by one another. And just so you know, I believe that Andy Duggan felt prompted to give us $500. And I believe his father spoke to him to give to his son, me, his daughter, Debbie, that day. Can't be too proud to receive because God is going to give to us freely within the body of those who love him and serve him. If God is willing to give us his very own son, will he not give us daily bread. So do you believe today, even more so, I hope after we've studied this text, that everything matters and we live our life before an audience of one. So might we pray this prayer this week, our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I'm gonna pray, and after I pray, these altars are gonna be open for you to respond. Maybe you're at a place where you, you just wanna to come to the altars and say, I'm needy. Or give me this day my daily bread and accept it. Maybe you're at a place where you've been reusing it and you need to say, God, forgive me for reusing it. 
Or maybe you've been in a place where you've just straight up been refusing it. And you can say to God, God, I I don't want to refuse your grace anymore. I believe that Jesus Christ, your only son, came, suffered, and died for my sins. And I want to place my faith and my trust in him today and live according to your ways and purposes and under your care. If you've never done that, I pray that today you would. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us today to respond well to what you've said. Father, we believe that you give us our daily bread, that you give us what we need for the next 24 hours to do that which you have. So Lord, for those who who freely accept it and have, Lord, I pray you would strengthen them this morning. Lord, I pray for those that are reusing it. Lord, I pray that you would that you'd move them out of their apathy and that you would give them a greater hunger and a longing and an understanding of your provision. And Lord, those that have rejected, Lord, I pray that today, I pray today, Lord, that you would you would save them from their rebellion. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would, you would help them to accept the greatest gift that's ever been given. Pray that you would help them to repent of their sin and turn in faith to you. Jesus, we need you. Lord, move and help us to respond as we sing, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and let's respond to God.